The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Mark Giannato and Jeff Calkins. How's it going, Tiger football fans? Back for a bye week podcast. Memphis is rolling into this one. Five straight wins, a much-needed week off, um, and they've moved up into the top 20 in the national polls. We're recording this on a Tuesday. In a few hours, we'll learn uh, how far they've risen in the college football playoff rankings. Um, but another, really, to me, a really impressive performance last week against Tulsa. Um about as complete a performance, I think, as Memphis has had this season, um, just in terms of the offense, really, you know, showing a side of itself that it hadn't yet this year, an ability to just churn out first downs and put together long drives in the second half. And then the defense, just after, a, you know, a couple shaky drives to start the game, just absolutely shutting down Tulsa. And for the third time in four weeks, holding one of the nation's top 12 rushing attacks well below its season average. Um, so you really couldn't ask for more, I guess, an undefeated record. But other than that, I mean, you couldn't ask for more going into the last two regular season games of the year. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Jeff Calkins. And Jeff, uh, before we got into you know the details of the Tulsa game, what's left, you were at the Memphis Touchdown Club last night where Mike Norvell spoke and it sounds like it was a pretty rousing and um, enthusiastic affair. Uh, I'm curious, let, let me know, uh, I didn't listen to your radio show today so I'm curious, what what, what did he uh, say and, and why were you so impressed? Well partly night? it might have been because I, I was last there in contrast to when Butch Jones showed up. So uh, the, as someone said, it's the difference between a wedding and a wake. It was, he's just impressive among other things. He starts out by going around table, there are probably 75 people there whatever and he goes table to table to table and shakes the hand of every person at every table, which is just something you don't see the coaches do, right? And then the speech, I have thought of Mike as a smart guy, as a great recruiter, as a guy who builds a really good staff, as a creative offensive mind, as like he's got lots of strengths, lots and lots of strengths. That's why people think so highly of him. That's why he's been able to do what he's been able to do. But in terms of just a public orator, at the beginning, he sounded a little wooden when he took over. He'd, he'd say fit and family a lot and fit and family. He was fine, but he was, he really did get a standing ovation at the end. And it wasn't all from Memphis fans. It's from a mixture of people. And because he was really passionate and really, um, he painted a picture of where this Memphis program is and, and that was inspirational. It really was inspirational. And as I was walking out, I, there was, there was one guy, Phil was a Tennessee fan who said, I want him. <laughs> like, and, uh, and there was another guy who told me, he said that he's among the best speakers we've ever had. Now, I would have actually, if it had been Hugh Freeze, who's known as a great speaker, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like, I'm not, just typical Hugh was Freeze kind of. prepared remarks? Or I'm was... sure he had the, the, I'm sure he wasn't reading off of anything, but I'm sure he had the guts of it, the structure of it. In it. But he just. He just sounded really good. And he, he, he talked about this team and about all, everything they've done. They played in a hurricane. They played on Fridays. They played on Thursdays. They played 11. They played like – and and they've had games canceled. They've fallen down to Houston like they did. And it just 
painted a really impressive picture of what they've done, but then also of what's ahead of them. Because he said, um, and he's obviously trying to fire people up for the SMU game. He said, this is a a championship game for us because if we win this game, we will be, we will be the Western um, conference champions. And, wants people to come out, wants people to be fired up as fired up about the program as he is. And I just, it's easily the best speech I had heard him give. And if, if, and, and, um, it was just, it was very hard not to be sort of carried away by the moment. And it was, it was re- just really, really good. That's very interesting. I, I asked you about the prepared marks cause I've always heard, you know, like for instance, there's the joke, the running meme online with him with the Papa John's ad where he seems really wooden. I've always heard like when he's off the cuff, He's fantastic. Right. When he's well, giving, I, you yeah. know, when he's in a setting like that, maybe he's less. Well, I mean, so. I'll be honest, like as a radio guest, you love having him because it's Mike Norvell. And sometimes you'll get help. But a lot of times it's the same fit fam, like whatever. Like that's not he, his strength is one on one where he's unbelievably charming and with recruits and with like. But just in terms of that kind of speaker, I hadn't thought of him as being great. And he's obviously getting better at that but i also think he has so much good a, a great message and i think he is passionate about it partly because he believes it L- last year when he did that when he did the the touchdown club they do it during the bye week because that's when a coach has time well their bye week was week two last year mm-hmm. so he just shows up and he's talking about well, this is what we're going to do but it's all they like they beaten semo i think in the first game and that's it like so he was like, this is what we're going to do and and who knew if that's what he was going to do? Now you have the advantage that a year and a half, uh, nearly a, a year and several months later, you're sitting where you are, eight and one, ranked in the top 25. Memphis is going to be ranked again tonight. And so um, he's got a hell of a lot of credibility now when he talks. And his voice was infused by that. I, uh, it was just, I, it was, I was stunned by it because I didn't expect him. I, I think he's tremendous in all kinds of ways. As a public orator, I did not expect it, and he was great. Very, very interesting. It's yep. just, you know, it's it's. He and also, I think yeah, I think he wants you know, and I think you get the sense from him. He wants people to appreciate just like I think everyone knows this is a special team, but like you just mentioned, all the different factors they've been through. I mean, you don't even mention the two off-field incidents that right. they've they barely batted an eye with in terms of like playing. Like the players just didn't see. Yeah, they had, they had, they had, they had one of their best players charged with rape the morning of a game, and whatever they just. And again, that's not obviously that's a huge criminal issue, but in terms of the players, it you t- could be absolutely disruptive, and was not you've had at one point as many as eight defensive players out that could have sidelined a season and it has not when you look back on it too i think to come back the way they did in that houston game is like that's a special season when that kind of when you can do that each week when i when i'm doing these stories on where they're ranked and i'm trying to find some original thing to add into the story and i keep going back in the media guide i mean like I, I I hope people understand this is like a once in fifty years type of season for Memphis football. I mean, literally, that's what it is. Right. There is the nineteen sixty three team that went nine zero and one, and then the Fuente team two years ago, which I think this team is go, is about to surpass. So literally, you're looking at nineteen sixty three, twenty eighteen, right? And I I think that's why you know, for instance, we talked on here about the attendance a couple weeks ago, and it's it's not to criticize the fans about not showing up with the weather it's a it's a it's a hope that 
there will be an appreciation. Yeah, I think that's and it. I think and Tom the, Bowen, I, as you pointed out, Tom Bowen went on the radio and expressed some disappointment over that, over the fans at there. And on, it was cold and it was wet and everything else. Um, there's also this trend in Memphis that as the season goes on, people bay. I don't know why. It happened in that other magical season, Fuente. Like this, the, the, the game against, I think it was UConn, where they clinched a share of the conference well, of the of, of the title eh, it was only mediocre attendance and so i think they're really trying to press to get people there a week from saturday i'm going to write a column and i do believe this is true that the next three games the two regular season games and then presumably if they beat them the if they win them then the game against um central florida the next three games i think are the most important games in the history of the program because you've had big games before but they have never been playing for something before. There's never been anything. Really yeah, like the 1963 team, for. for instance, didn't right. go to the national championship. Here you are like playing for something, which is a, and a big thing, which is to go to a New Year's Bowl. And um, and so all the other big games have been nice and they've been big games. But maybe maybe if you want them like in the Tommy West area, you could have, if you'd won enough, you could have gone to the Liberty Bowl. That's all you were playing for. Here you are playing for something that is has always seemed almost out of reach. So I do think they're incredibly important games, these next three that are coming up. Well, and on that note, I wanted to point something out. And, and a shout out to at uh, Saluki Blue on Twitter for pointing this out. Um, if you're looking for someone, something to root for, in regards to the AAC championship game um, and Memphis potentially hosting it, um, he pointed out to me, and I hadn't really noticed this, that the AAC, when it's deciding a tiebreaker of who's hosting the AAC championship game, um, if the two teams haven't played, so in this case, if, if USF beats UCF and wins the East Division and Memphis wins the West Division and they have the same conference record... Um, the way they go about breaking the tiebreaker is through this college football playoff rankings. And I had been thinking, well, you know, if USF beats UCF, they will, you know, probably jump Memphis in the college football playoff rankings. But at Saluki Blue points out to me that the language in the AAC rulebook actually states that they go by the rankings that lead into that last week of the regular season because, because, can't wait. because teams got to make travel plans and whatnot, which suggests to me if USF beats UCF and Memphis wins out, wins its last two games, Memphis would host the AAC championship game at the Liberty Bowl more than likely because more than likely going into that UCF game, they'd be ranked, they'd still be ranked ahead of USF. That would be remarkable. You that, do need the idea that you could host the, uh, the conference championship game would a it would be a great event in and of itself but b it would obviously give memphis that much better chance to beat uh well, first of all it would also mean you're playing UC- usf instead of ucf yeah. which i think is and a obviously matchup. if ucf and, wins right, out they would host you're be, yes you're gonna be, the, you're gonna be playing be ucf at ucf although I, it's funny they'll obviously be favorites and they should be favorites they beat the hell out of memphis um in that game i think memphis is gotten better since then which is one of the remarkable things about this team defensively you've pointed it out they've gotten a lot better as they've adjusted from injuries they showed a different dimension of their offense this past week they've gotten better the offensive line seems to have gotten better riley ferguson had a terrible game in that in that ucf game um and so i think i think they are i don't rule out them winning that game certainly yeah they're they're progressing as mike norvell likes to say you know 
when you get to this point in the season, teams don't really stay the same. They either get worse or they get better. And this team is getting better. I mean, I thought, like I said, I thought the Tulsa game was the most complete effort from them I've seen this year. Um, Just in terms of the way it played out. It wasn't, I guess, flashy outside of the Tony Pollard touchdown and, and Anthony Miller's wide receiver pass. But just the way they took over the game, just took control. Right. And I know Tulsa's having a bad year, but they 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 were a couple weeks removed from really beating Houston pretty badly at home. Um so just a just an impressive little streak here that they had. It just feels like they're building and building. And that's what the one the one concern I have is that I know like some people say the bye this bye week's coming at a great time because the end of the year, all these No, I will tell you Norvell isn't happy about it because he at the at the touchdown club he said they complained about the bye last week being a week two. And he said and uh and this week we're we gotta buy a week eleven or whatever it is. He said, What I've learned is to shut up and take what you get. Like <laughs> so they clearly don't love the buy. Like they don't love the buy here either you want to buy after week five yeah. you know uh in the middle of the season when you're but when you're banged up and not now when you're rolling yeah no and it's just it's just funny because it's you know you riley ferguson it seems like every hour is popping up on a new award semifinalist. anthony miller is you know blossoming into a household name not just here in memphis but nationally you've got the offensive line Playing at a level that a record-setting level, as I wrote in the paper uh, today or online yesterday. The other, the other nice thing, and I'd be curious about this because you're obviously were thrown into this beat. You normally do the Memphis Tiger basketball beat. You've been thrown into the football beat. Um, it's also a likable bunch, don't you find that? Both the staff and the players, like Anthony Miller, is just a total pleasure, and Riley Ferguson's entertaining, and Mike Norvell is is good, and the assistant coaches, are, like it is an easy group to root for and cover. They make my job easy in terms of there's no shortage of stories. They're all willing to part. You know, any they, any question you ask, they're and they're great stories. Like how you cannot root for i mean whatever as a as a store the anthony miller is beyond me right or tony pollard who's you know dad owns a barbecue shop down there near graceland I mean, it's just like it's a collection of great or riley ferguson every time riley ferguson shows up on national tv i got a t- i got a tweet i got a text uh friday who said there's the picture of the fence company <laughs> like every time we see the fence company so it's a great time to be a uh to be following this football team well let's hope Let's hope the ending is is just as good as the chapters yeah. leading into it. Um, SMU coming up in two weeks, like we said, it will be for the for the for the uh, division title. Um, and if you if SMU loses this week to Navy, Memphis doesn't even need to win that game to win the division. Um, but let's you know for for our conversation, you know, let's see them get to the Peach Bowl. Let's see them right. go ten and one and be right. the. Essentially, have the second best record. You do in want Navy, school history. You do want Navy uh, to beat SMU because then it means that even if you happen to lose to SMU, you'll still be in the in the championship game. But then, the, obviously, the Peach Bowl stuff is dead. So uh, that that depends on on winning out, which will depend on beating SMU and then East Carolina and then either Central Florida or South Florida. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll take a closer look at SMU then, and uh, you know, going into essentially the the final two weeks of the regular season. And uh, obviously, like we talked about today, it's the stakes couldn't really be higher for Memphis. And and how refreshing is that to say that? A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. 
The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. Pop stars with auto-tune. And dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Venti soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.